Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's weekly podcast of comics and graphic novel news recorded at various spots around the world. I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And just to remind you, you can subscribe to More to Come. You can leave us comments for More to Come. And you can also uh, find us on a lot of social media at, at PW Comics World. So today I am joined by Matt Lesniewski. I Now, I hope I pronounced your name right, Matt. Normally I ask beforehand, but I forgot this time. Perfect. But don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Okay. Well, uh, Matt is the creator, uh, writer, artist, cartoonist of Faceless and the Family, which is out, uh, this month from Uni Press. Um, but he's also worked on books for Ad House, Star Horse, and, and so dare I say, Matt, you've been making a bit of a splash as an artist, um, with a very unique, very recognizable style. Which oddly enough, we don't really see that much these days. So, um, yeah, welcome, welcome to more come. Thank you, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, thank you for the kind words. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I do notice you've been making a splash on social media, and uh, what there is of it these days. And, and um, how I mean, is that where you kind of tried to get your work out there, or were you? You, you know, initially, what was your plan, Matt? What was your plan to get noticed and become famous? <laughs> well, I don't really want to be famous, but uh I just want the work to be famous, not me. But, yeah, that's – I don't really have a plan. I'm kind of trying stuff and seeing what works. But, yeah, that seems to be the – uh just putting my stuff out there because uh, before – the Freak was the first published book. Um, I don't know where I, I didn't come up with the idea, but I know I heard the idea somewhere. Just put your comics online for free because you're not even known. Don't even think about anything beyond just getting your work out there. So I would put, um, might have been on my blog or I don't think I had a website or anything like that, but I would just, put them out there for free. And if 20 people read it, I thought that was a success. So, <laughs> right. Because I, I don't know anyone in comics. I don't, I'm just making stuff. And in the beginning, in the beginning, mm-hmm. I, I'm just making stuff and trying to figure it out. And in the beginning, it was just, um, I just wanted to be a penciler. Um, and then through, the journey of trying to break in or whatever. I, um, I tried writing my own stuff and then little by little, the stories got bigger and like, cause at first I do little mini comics or one shots and then, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers it. But. <laughs> well, that partly does. I'm going to drill down a little bit on that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, it is that simple. I mean, the story is just, you know, I tried to break in and I broke in. But, um, like, all right, so I, I guess the most obvious question anyone would ask you is, uh, did you grow up reading Heavy Metal Magazine? No, I didn't. I, I didn't really know about that until later on. I only knew, uh, like Marvel and DC, uh, and my style, I mean, I know what you're saying that, but, mm-hmm. uh, my style kind of morphed into what it is now. Uh, over time, but, uh, a lot of my influences were, um, artists like Sam Keith, uh, right. uh, Kelly Jones, people who were kind of like distorting anatomy and, um, drawing familiar characters in a way that you could easily recognize them, but, um, it was something that you had never seen. And that always got my attention. Like a, a lot of artists, they kind of, you know, they've got a lot of the same influences or mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there's a, there's almost like a status quo. And I was thinking about that earlier too. Um, Cause some people will ask me how, how do you uh, like, you have a unique style. How do, how do you come up with that? And I can never, think of the words because I, I really don't know. I, 
it's been a <laughs> it's been a long process, but one thing did hit me. Um, it's kind of like don't listen to the naysayers. Mm. Meaning, meaning like there's so much out there. It's supposed to be advice or just people that you know telling you, oh, don't do that. Like, like certain little tips, like just when it comes to drawing, like, like, oh, don't draw your face like that. It, it's supposed to be done this way. Mm. But, but the more you listen to your own, I, I also feel like this. And some people won't like this, but I feel like don't listen to anyone. <laughs> really like the, the less you because re- most of it's just they mean to be helpful but it's really not helping anything and people they'll, they'll i'm not saying it they're saying it they'll say oh this, i haven't seen this i don't know what this or they might have a couple artists they'll compare it to and they'll say like how'd you do that and well yeah I, I i mean i think what's interesting about the heavy metal question and you know i realize this is a a audio medium that we're in right now with a podcast so uh, i do urge you to you know google matt lesniewski or face this in the family while, while you're listening to this so you can kind of understand what we're talking about but to, to visually describe it uh or you know describe it verbally pardon me uh, I mean, your work is very reminiscent of Mobius. I mean, to me, it's also reminiscent of like, you know, 50 science fiction art or like Art Sibishev and, and absolutely heavy metal, Enki Bilal, all of that stuff. And uh, I, I mean, when you say Sam Keith and Kelly Jones, I certainly understand where you're coming from on that because they had very distinctive anatomy and very distinctive, you know, approaches to the characters. But it, in a way, it's almost fascinating to me that it just reinvents itself. You know, it's like mushrooms. It spontaneously springs up in the loam of the human mind because, um, you know, you kind of develop the style almost independently in a way that, but it's so reminiscent of classic, you know, science fiction comics of, of the past. And that being said, also, which I think is pretty much true, nothing's really new. So there's nothing I'm really doing that's you've never actually seen it before. I'm just putting lines on a paper. Right. But at the same time, I guess the one thing I could point to is, because it finally hit me, is that a lot of the advice I would get, I would just, I would consider it. But if you kind of follow your own, uh, your own, not muse, but your own kind of like, because so much of what you hear too is artists looking at other artists to learn, mm-hmm. which is, which is fine, but I never really related to that. I kind of felt like something about that was wrong <laughs> or, I mean, of course I do look at other artists. I, there's so many that I appreciate, but, um, while you're actually drawing, I feel like you could find, you discover more in the actual act of drawing if you kind of, shut out some of those or just question them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. instead of just, yep, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. Well, well, very much so with Marvel and DC. I mean, you said you grew up reading those comics and um, I mean, I'm assuming this was like, I mean, the aughts, the teens, something like that. And you don't look all that old to me, but (laughs) um, I mean, even by that point, both of them had a very strong house style. And, you know, the idea of suddenly picking up a Marvel or DC comic and seeing it drawn in a style as uniquely recognizable as yours is kind of unthinkable right now. And I think that's a shame. I I think that's a lot of why we got into comics. I mean, I think that's a lot of how Marvel DC developed was, you know, Steve Ditko did not draw like Jack Kirby. I mean, Jack Kirby's art would be considered so stylized now. I mean, he wouldn't get it. You know, he wouldn't be given the top books anymore, and he's he's the greatest of them all. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I don't want to criticize, but it, it's pretty sad. Like, <laughs> I always thought you were talking about what was your plan. Part of not my plan, but what uh, in my head, thinking as an artist was, oh, unique. That means good. Of course, it's no brainer, but. 
uh, the more I've been doing this thing, I'm finding that that's actually in a lot of ways a hindrance or it's. Well, yeah. Well, let me, let me go back just a little bit though. I mean, obviously you must have been a doodler as a kid. I mean, I'm sure you were drawing as a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you go to art school or, or, you know, when did you know that you wanted to make art for a living or at least, you know, as an adult? Pretty much by high school, it was, this is my one thing. Like I didn't, I, I even, I stopped, like I stopped taking notes. I stopped. Uh, I was just there to, to finish it. And then I, I had binders full of sketches, not notes. And I don't know how I passed, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, that was, it, it was, I didn't know for sure if it would be comics Mm-hmm. At that point, I knew I wanted to do them eventually, but like when you're 18, you're, you're looking at, you've got endless time, so I can do everything. Right. <laughs> so, but eventually. And make comics and be a brain surgeon. Why not? Yes. Yep. <laughs> be a magician, anything. So, but pretty quickly after that, comics was the thing that I, uh, landed on. Like, all right, yes, I'm going to first pursue this, then I'll do. Mm whatever else but um what was the question <laughs> oh no I was just like like you know you you obviously were an artist growing up and want yeah. to pursue art so so I mean I'm just you know and again listeners it's it's it I, I mean I don't want to make out like Matt is a, you know a total rare one of a kind, absolute once in a lifetime unicorn, but it, it's just really unusual now to see an artist break out with a style as distinctive as yours. And I'm just kind of curious about, about the path you took just because I think we just, I think we just need a lot more of it, to be honest. So, so yeah, so you're, you decide you want to do art and, you know, comics is what you want to do. And I mean, it sounds like you probably got a lot of people who told you you needed to start drawing in a different way. Um, well, before I even, no one knew I was even into comics. They just thought I was the kid who drew. It was my own thing that I kind of kept to myself. And I didn't know Mm -hmm. one other kid who was into them. So the only thing I got was, for the most part, was, um, you need to use that. Like, if you don't use that, you're stupid. So, (laughs) and and it, and it took some of that for me to convince myself, like, all right, yeah, I guess I I don't really have anything else going. Um, but uh, uh, no, I was, I mean, as sad as it is, I was, I was, I was alone for most of it. Like the, it was only, I don't know, like, I don't know. It, it was years later that I, I got to know other artists. I was pretty much by myself figuring it out and the first two or three years of it was just I would do um like samples because like I said I just wanted to be mm-hmm. an artist at first mm-hmm. and I would just be sending those in never the the best thing I'd get was uh cool not good enough keep going but that was enough for me like there was a mm-hmm. there was a signal there was a there was a response and um but yeah, but besides that, I would just spend every, not every ounce of free time, but a, most of my free time just drawing and trying to, because back then I thought all you need to do is master drawing. Mm-hmm. If I do that, but the part I was missing was storytelling. And uh, that is one piece of advice that you get that is true. Uh, and, and I never knew what they meant. But that would keep popping up. They would say, all right, yeah, looks good, but you need to work on your storytelling. It's not really. Mm. And then finally, one day when I started, I think when I started writing for myself, that's when it kind of clicked. So. Yeah, I don't know if that answers it, but it it it, it does in a, in a way. I mean, so your first book, I guess, was The Freak, right? First published one. Okay. Um, yeah, by by then, uh, like I you, spent. You saw wait. You self published it first. I'm sorry. Go on. I want to hear the story. So. 
Yeah. I, if you want to, I, I can give you the quick, like, yeah. kind of like journey. It, it was, it was the first, I don't remember the exact timeline, but it was just doing samples. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there's these jobs are, that are available. Penciler, inker, writer, colorist, letterer. I'll be a penciler. That's all it was. And that just wasn't working out. No, nothing about that was working. So then along the way, I would, um, I would pair up with writers who are also trying to break in. We'd do pitches. None of that worked. None of that actually happened. It, it never came to fruition. It just, so then along the way, I'm like, part of it was, I'm sick of asking for permission. What is, I just want to do this. Like, so that's, was part of the, uh, writing for myself thing. Mm-hmm. That was about midway through. And I was mainly the kid who was drawing, but I also did write some stories, just, just writing them like short stories that I made up, but it was never only, I only made like a few comics as a kid. It was mainly just drawing. Mm-hmm. So I never combined the two, but then I, I thought, you know, why not try it? Just do three pages. And this is also the advice that I give to people. Like I hate giving advice. I just want to tell people like, just, just do it. Like I don't want to discourage anyone. So I don't want to say the wrong thing. But the one thing I will say is just start small, do three pages and prove to yourself. I can do this because no one's going to be there to do it for you, which is kind of might sound obvious, but until you get there, that sets in. Right. Pretty. The the reality hits you. It's true. I need to make something. Isn't the point to make something good. (laughs) So I need to be able to do this. So I started with the three pages. And then once I did that, not that they were great, but I said, Oh wait, there's more to this. And then I wrote a a one shot. So then I had that and completed it. And like, all right, cool. I, I did it. I don't know if it's good, but I actually did it. It, It's decent. It's something. Then I did another one shot and it definitely got better just through the act of doing it. I learned a lot. And then I did more uh, pitches. I was trying that along the way, like, all right, let me try. Like, no, didn't work. So then I would do more of my own. Eventually I got to writing a four issue mini series because I noticed, oh, that's kind of what these publishers are <laughs> putting out there. So, but they, uh, they all turned it down. And then eventually after years of doing that, I got to the freak and I was just doing the same thing. That was the same thing, except once I got to it, I was so pretty much angry, (laughs) but (laughs) there was no justification for that. But that, that looking back, that's pretty much what it was, but it, it, it lit a spark in me, which was, all right, this one, it's getting noticed. I don't Mm. care. This is the one. And I drew it in a different way where it was like, just that energy. Like, I, I don't know, something happened where I, I turned a corner and mm. it just, it, it was that, uh, with the combination of the story, obviously that, that played a role in it, but, um, everyone turned that one down too, except Ad House. Mm. Well, Chris, oh, go on. I was just going to say one last key piece to it was that I, I, had just started going to conventions too. And uh, I met Chris there mm-hmm. and other people were noticing it. And for the first time, I only had the first uh, chapter self-published as a, its own issue. And for the first time, it everything changed. Like people were coming up to it, my portfolio, and they were buying it and showing it to other people. Like, who's this guy? <laughs> and no. I... I I was blown away. I was like, wait a second, what's happening here? <laughs> Before so, that, nothing happened. Nothing. So to everyone, it seemed like I came out of nowhere. But I'm like, I've been going at this for years now, but no one's noticed. But I, I mean, it, which, was this at like SPX or? Heroes Con. It was at Heroes Con. Okay. Where do you live, by the way? Where are you from? Upstate New York. 
Okay. So, um, I mean, it does sound like the, like the in-person pitch. Um, but you know, you were learning your craft. You were doing what you do. You know, some people would go to like CCS or, you know, cartooning school or something and maybe get more people telling them, but you were letting your internal teacher tell you how to do it. Um, but Chris Pitzer, the publisher of Ad House, which is now sadly, um, you know, he, he quit or I quit. I don't want to say quit. That's the wrong word. Uh, Quitter. he ended at. Yeah, ended ad house. But yes, Chris has an incredible eye for talent. Um, so he saw the freak and put it out. And then you got, uh, an Eisner nomination for best single issue. How did that feel? I, that, I went from nothing working to that. So it, it didn't make sense. Like it just didn't, to this day, it's still, I, I still remember it and I'm just like, I can't even make sense of it to this day. Mm. It's just like that, that, no, that can't be, that can't, even before that, I kind of like, it, it was getting some attention, but it, I mean, didn't sell great, but so I'm like, eh, all right, I guess kind of got lucky with that. That didn't really, then the Eisner came, the, the nomination, and I was like, oh, wait a second, maybe, maybe it is good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not a complete, like crazy person for like pursuing this in this way and with no sign of, I mean, there'd be tiny little breadcrumbs of like, keep going, but Mm -hmm. there are moments where it's like, I might be crazy. Like I might be just an insane person. Wow. Now, were you putting your work up on Twitter at the time or Instagram? I mean, or, you know, Tumblr or DeviantArt or any of those places where people tend to get their art seen? Uh, yeah. Twitter, um, uh, later came Instagram, mm-hmm. but, uh, I had, I think I had a, I think I had a blogger or something like that or, or no Tumblr. I did have Tumblr for a little while. Uh, yeah, I was just putting it out there and emailing. Right. So whatever what I could it, find. What, no, what was it like working with Chris Bitzer? It was great. I mean, he, he, pretty much let me do the story I, cause I only had the first issue mm-hmm. up to that point. And he like, he put it in like the perfect package. He designed the whole thing. Um, he got it in front of a lot of people that I didn't even know existed. And, and uh, yeah, it, I mean, I owe everything to him. he, he took a big shot on me. Like I was just nobody like, Mm. and well, like I said, he really has an eye for talent and he's great at that. And, um, you know, losing a publisher like ad house that, that was, I mean, I want to say it was a little bit of an incubator for people who, who would go on and, and do things that other publishers, I mean, you know, probably one of his biggest, um, stories is, uh, Hartley Lynn, um, who used a different name, but with the um, uh, Pope hats. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, also remember Duncan, the Wonder Dog? I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with the Ad House output, but, you know, he put out this this insane book that was supposed to be part of like a nine-volume series, and it was like 300 pages, and it won like the LA Times book review. And, you know, I don't think the guy's ever been heard of before, but it is an amazing, amazing <laughs> book. So... Um, yeah. So what, okay. So now, um, so now you're an Eisner nominated. You have gone from zero to hero. Look, and I, you know, I also want to say the freak. So is a kind of, you know, the story about this guy who has a hideous appearance, who come is always bullied for it and comes to town and kind of deals with that. So, you, you know, I mean, we'll let our armchair psychoanalysts deal with that one out there but um you know you came in from the cold so what happened next Matt what happened next um then I did it uh, the story kind of repeated I worked with another writer and it fell flat again it I did a whole issue that no one's ever seen right after the freak and but that's you know kind of learned my lesson with that one 
then I'm like, you know what? I'll just go back to my own thing again. And so then I was working on static. Um, and that one, I was similar. I looked at how the freak kind of worked. So I, I repeated the process, which was I just did the first uh, issue slash chapter. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that one, same thing. It wasn't really, wasn't really getting, <laughs> it wasn't getting any, uh, uh, you know, no one traction. wanted Yeah, no traction or anything. I'm like, uh, I was really starting to question. And that was before the Eisner thing. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that didn't sell. So that was a real hit to the ego. So I'm like, oh, damn, like, yeah, that was just a, that was a lucky little thing. And but then I got in touch with um, I don't know how in depth I'm supposed to go here, but I I, I got in touch with uh, a right. Uh, sorry, a, a colorist buddy of mine, Bill Crabtree. And he got it. He got it in front of someone at Dark Horse. Mm. And that turned out to be. But then I did a book with Matt Kent, um, which was after, but they reversed the uh, right. release of it as like a strategy, like mm-hmm. get more eyes on this than static. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. kind of, so. So, yeah, you, you, but you, you, I guess you did a book. Yeah. You did the book with Matt Kent at, um, at, at Dark Horse. And you also did, you did some Black Hammer stuff too with Jeff Lemire, right? No. Oh, okay. I wish. I, I misread something <laughs> in your bio. Um, but, uh, well, Matt is, you, you know, another one who's like a crazy, uh, you know, I keep using the word crazy. I'm not supposed crazy to. Crazy good. Yeah. Crazy good. Crazy good. Uh, but wildly imaginative. Yes. yes. In a, a surprising way. There we go. Um, but you know, he also has kind of his own little imprint at Dark Horse and, um, I'm looking at my notes. What was the name of the book that you did with him at Dark Horse? Oh, uh, Crimson Flower. Yeah. So what was, what was that? What was that about? <laughs> um, well, that one was, um, uh, feel free to edit this out if you want <laughs> me thinking, um, <laughs> that one, that actually happened right as the pandemic was starting. So I um I didn't need to do this. I, I just dreamt this up that I need to all right, now I'm in the big leagues. <laughs> so now I have to like really show and prove. I have to I have I can't be the weak link. Mm-hmm. I can't have them give me the shot and then be like, uh we messed up. So I I put it upon myself to like try and do almost a page a day because that's another that's another thing you hear Mm -hmm. gotta do page a day (laughs) so i no one told me to do that so right you're you're like you know reading the biographies of you know the 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 broad the silver age greats and they're like oh yeah page a day kid you gotta do a page a day yeah (laughs) so pretty much i well, it slowed down as it went on, but at, yeah. at, out of the gate, I, I really was stressing out. Like, so wait, what, let me, let me jump in here though, actually. Well, I mean, what was it like working with Matt Kent? I mean, who's a brilliant writer. I mean, absolutely, you know, both on his own stuff, um, and, you know, with these really incredible, like twisty, turny sounds of espionage and secrets and mysteries and all that stuff, you know? So, I mean, this guy is the real deal. So what was it like? Now you're working with, you know, uh, a, a real writer. I mean, an established writer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was easy to deal with. Like completely, mm-hmm. there was no micromanaging. There was no, even the, the, his scripts are pretty, um, like they're not a paragraph of mm-hmm. include this in the background. You need a Keurig and like this. <laughs> The style chair and no, it's none of that. And right. he trusted me to kind of like, it was a real collaboration. He, he wanted me to do my thing and we combine forces in the, in the way that I would say it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. So. And yeah, did you, 
Did you learn more about storytelling though from from working from his script? Um I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh it hard to remember because it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, because his stuff is it, it's it's more there'd be ways that it's hard to describe it. You'd have to read it. Like the way that he would describe certain panels, it's very built for the artist to do their interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. So but then again, I'm <laughs> go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that's actually good writing. You know, Neil Gaiman, I always quote this, but Neil Gaiman says he he would never write a script until he knew who the artist was, which makes all the sense in the world, as opposed to, you know, in the world of monthly comics, sometimes you don't get to do that. But um in an ideal world, that's totally how it should be done, because you should be keeping in mind what are the strengths of this the person you're working with. Which he, he did. Uh, that idea was already, mm-hmm. he had the, um, he had the outline. He knew what generally what was going to happen, but he only had the first script. So I would finish an issue, then he would script the next issue. So it was kind of a back and forth. The only thing that I kind of threw him off with was, uh, he likes to, um, once the art is done, he likes to go back and touch up the dialogue. But I hand letter oh. right on the page. So I kind of, I guess I challenged him <laughs> in a way. <laughs> but uh, right. that was the only little kind of. Uh, yeah, which is know. obviously the retouching of the lettering is one of the, the perks of the digital world. But when you're doing it old school, um not so much. Um, so then Dark Horse did put out Static as well, right? Yeah, right after yeah. that one. Yeah. And how was that received? Uh, I feel like that was a miss. Um, that that was definitely. I don't. I don't look back on that fondly. Honestly, I'm. I'm. I mean, I don't think. I think most artists they're pretty critical of their own stuff, but that one, objectively, for what I was like the freak. I think what made it work was what I set out to do to this day. That's the most, um, mm. it's the, my art has improved, but as an overall comic, that one works the best. And what I was trying to say and trying to do, I really, I really nailed it with that one. Whereas static, I completely did not. I mm. it, 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 it in different ways, but, um, I mean, even your hey, favorite, your favorite yeah. movie directors, they can yeah. make a, a you, hit, you, yeah, hit yeah. great movie, and then they make one that you forget about. Yeah, 1941. Um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and uh, for any kids out there, like after Steven Spielberg made Jaws and Close Encounters, uh, then he made the movie 1941 that was not as well received. So um, way back in the day. Uh, everyone's got them. Everyone's got them. Everybody's got, yeah, that, that third stinker they got out. Um, yeah. okay. Let's fast forward to Faceless in the Family because this you originally crowdfunded with Zoop. Um, but now it's coming out from Oni. So, uh, so, so yeah, so you went back to, to Zoop and, or you went back to kind of self-publishing and getting hooked up with Zoop. Um, I am assuming you at that point didn't think that you were going to get a mainstream publisher for it. Well, I actually had one. That's a crazy story. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, I'm not going to name names, even though it's it's kind of out there, but I had a publisher. Well, let's just say the publisher turned it down. Then an imprint within it, they accepted it. And Uh an agreement was signed. I was paid advances and seven months into drawing the book. They emailed me out of nowhere and said, yeah, we found out that, uh, we initially turned this down. So now it's all <laughs> just dropped it. 
And I, I wow. Was, I was completely enraged for a day, but then luckily I'm just like, okay, no time. There, there's no, I'm not going to waste any more time. What's my I, next best move? Let me just ask you just to, to clarify though. I mean, they didn't ask you to pay back the money or anything, of course. Or did they? Uh, we can talk after. Okay. Well, there we go. No comment on that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because some companies own internal correspondence wasn't accurate. Uh, uh, they're, oof, mm, ouch. Comics broke me. Hashtag. Um, all right. So, but luckily for you now at this point, um, you know, it sounds like you've gotten more, uh, connected with the rest of the industry and you know you have options at this point, right? Somewhat, yeah. Uh, well, what made you want to go to Zoop? Because, well, one thing, uh, one of the, uh, co-owners, he, he approached me at, a at a convention and he just kind of pitched the whole thing. And that's a whole other story. I, I, mm. I didn't really know much about crowdfunding. I, I know of it. I know generally how it works, but and it was, overall it was a positive experience, but I just thought I'm, it kind of went back to the, I'm tired of the, the, the nonsense. I'm tired mm. of the games. I, I'd spent all this time barely making any money grinding away on this book every single day. And then you just cut the cord on it. Like, mm-hmm. really? What? And so I'm like, I'm just going to crowdfund it. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, and then Oni contacted me after. Mm-hmm. After, so, after it came out the Zoop edition? Yeah. Interesting. Was it Sierra or Hunter who contacted you or who, who, or Zach? <laughs> Hunter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I find that very interesting. Hunter Gorenson, the publisher of Oni, because I just did an interview with Hunter and Sierra Hahn, who's the editor in chief. And, you know, if you're a regular listener to more to come, you know, we've talked about Oni a long time and just, you know, they've had some stops and starts along the way. Let's put it that way. And um I think in a lot of ways, this book, Faceless in the Family, is sort of a showcase book for them because they are really putting it out there that this book is, you know, doesn't look like other things. It is not like, oh, if you like, you know, I'm going to come up, if you like Ultimate Comics, you'll like Faceless in the Family. <laughs> you know, it, it's not one of those. Um, and I interviewed Hunter and Sierra and pointed out that, you know, they're also, I know with Jay Stevens, they have that, they have some other books coming out that are just kind of visually very unique. And I said, you know, what's, what's prompting this? And then they both kind of said, you know, if there's one thing I would bet on in the whole world, it's that putting the visuals first in comic books is a good idea. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And, um, so yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. And so how has the Oni experience been? Um, it's, it's definitely overall a good one. Um, uh, they're, they're definitely like, they actually, well, that, that's, that sounds bad, but they, they, uh, they want to work with me. Which shouldn't be a crazy, that should be kind of obvious, but like they really want to work with me and they're, they're open to ideas. They, they're hands on. They're, I can call or text anytime and just, Hey, what about this? What do we, what if we do this? Or, and they, they want, you know, they, yeah, like, I don't know. That's the overall takeaway. Oh, interesting. A, a publisher who wants to support one of their creators. Yes. How interesting. What a great idea. Yeah. Um, Heidi's sarcasm meter. Um, no, I just, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you. I mean, I, I will point out, you know, you've done a lot of press for this book and 
um, you know, they put it out there. It's like, you know, hey, you want to talk to Matt Lesniewski about this book? And, and you know, a lot of comics websites said, yes, we do. So you've been making the rounds of the talk about it. And, and we haven't even talked about Faceless, um, which the first issue is a uh, double-sized and um, which is really great because it really gives you a big chunk of this story of these um, uh, wanderers in this this floating hand in space where it's a palm and it's there's warts and then there's fingers and, and they all wear weird stuff. And I mean, you really have to see this book to understand it and believe it. But uh, it, it and and I have read a few interviews you where you just said you had a lot of these different ideas kind of floating around and then you kind of put them together to make this story. Yeah, you went to the old notebooks. Yeah, uh, I that's a good thing about. I feel like don't if you have ideas that don't necessarily work out, you can combine them. Mm-hmm. Like that's and. To get to the uh, the final designs, I, I did do a lot of sketching and just kind of like sitting around daydreaming. Like, what about this? What? I, no, that's not good enough. Or, and not only that, the uh, the story. This is actually the second or third. Um, th- I mean, this is the real version of it, but mm-hmm. I. I uh, I had another version of it that was meant to be longer and more kind of uh, the parts where the characters connect. That was meant to be more the emphasis and it was Mm. meant to be a slower, but something kind of told me that uh, not enough people are going to want to read that. I think it's, it's good. You got the band together right away at the end of the first issue. And so we have faceless, who wears this kind of pipe on his head and, and he is his, 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 uh, uh, prime motive is basically he wants to get facial reconstruction surgery, which is why he wears a mask. And, you know, of course somebody sees his face and it's like, you don't need any resurgery. So we don't know the mystery of that. And then there's giant Jerry, who is a giant and, um, and then there's carp. A carpenter, this, who's a, a young woman, and she is kind of escaping from some people who wanted to use her carpentry powers. And then we introduce this at the very last pages. There's the fourth character, and I don't have his name written down, actually. Highway Hal. Highway Hal, yes. And so, <laughs> like, the designs, again, the designs on all these characters are just so unique and so... um just a, uh, I don't know, compelling. I hate to use that word, but sometimes it really is the only word. And and the, just the world building and everything you've done. I mean, it absolutely harkens back to science fiction. Just just the, with the imagination and and um, wow, we're exploring a world that we've never seen before in Faceless of the Family, and that is, I think, one of the things that comics do best. Yeah, I think, uh, well, that's another thing that, uh, I hate to come off negative or whatever, but I feel like too often you see new comics that are, it's very this genre or this genre and this genre. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough mm-hmm. using the imagination. That's mm-hmm. what I, I, I like. I mean, I like stories that are set in, you know, our world, but there are great stories that are uh, done that way. But I really like, like, especially with comics that you can go to a place that you've never even imagined. You, you can, mm-hmm. that's possible. So that's, I really indulged in that with this. And luckily the, the response I'm getting it, it it's, it's, it's telling me to kind of, embrace that don't because so often you're 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 really you're committing all this time to it so you're kind of questioning what do i make what you know what you want to make but you're not just making it for you so Mm -hmm. but i know in my gut it's telling me yes make this make but 
then you always question it. Or at least I do. You question, is anyone even going to know what this is? This is so weird that, but yeah, I I don't know. Well, the response has been pretty, pretty positive uh, from what I've seen. I mean, you certainly, you know, I think at the beat, we made a pick of the week and, you know, it's definitely, or in the comics to read this week and and it got a good review. So, um, you know, at the beat, we are fans. Your fans. Thank you. And yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. And, uh, I, I mean, now, like you are, I mean, I mean, even on dying Twitter, um, you know, you've been putting up your versions of like Batman and, and the beast and, you know, all these well-known characters and, and, you know, people are going kind of nuts reposting them and liking them. So, um, yeah, how's that? So now it's like, get, you know, give me the Matt Lesniewski style. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I don't know. I should just say that all this interview stuff and getting the word out and all that, these are not my strengths. Mm. I'm, I'm, I feel like, yeah, I'm having a hard time even coming up with the words. Well, I just, listen, stay humble. All right. I'll give you some advice. I, stay I, humble. Definitely stay to. humble. Trying yeah. To. Yeah. And, but I, I, I mean, that, like I said, for me, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. You know, I edited comics and, and, you know, you go through the portfolios and you look through them and, and, um, you know, you look for someone who has that spark. And, um, like I said, I, I, I feel like, like we've really gotten away from saying here's oh that you know it's in the stop this style that's so recognizable that's just so you 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 know that's that's instantly recognizable and and different and gives you just like a different view of these characters and and it's just really i don't know it's just really strange to me that we seem to have gotten so far away from that in so many ways so i'm i'm just really grateful to to um uh, you know, to have a chance to, to talk about it. And, you know, I hope it's not like, oh, we're putting the, you know, this, this fly under or this butterfly under glass too much and examining it, you know, so, cause it's kind of like, hey, Matt, you're really different. You know, how did you get to be so different? You know? <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I do kind of feel like that. I'm not going to lie. I just, I, I, if it was, well, you know, if, if it was up to me, I would just, do the thing and that's what I had to say Mm. I already said it I already I don't really feel like I want to say anything more I I can't relate to that when other creators Mm. they they want to explain and they want to this is what this meant and I wanted to say this and if you didn't get this you're wrong and there's none of that I just I made the thing I wanted to make hopefully other people like it and well, I, I, well, so far so good on that, but you know, I'm sure everyone has asked you this question. Sorry about that. We're running out of time, so I have to ask you, oh what's boy. next for Matt Lesniewski? Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's what I want to do and what will happen. Well, well, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, do you think you're going to have some opportunities to work with other writers in the, in the near future? Or is that something you want to do? Or do you want to just tell your own stories now? There might be some of that brewing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that brewing. Um, can't confirm or deny or <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to get that idea. Um, um, but I also definitely, I want to do more of my own books and I want to write for other artists that I almost want to do that more than, well, let's not, let's not rank. I don't know why everything needs to be ranked, but <laughs> yeah, there I, was, there's a lot of different paths to take. Yeah. I, I have like two, one is already done. It's already, and I have their artist that wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for them to get free. Um, I, I love that. I love, cause I feel like writing is more of a, uh, it's more of a puzzle challenge thing for me, at least. It's, it's, I've been drawing my whole life 
and in no way do I have, I'm I a master or anything, but it's, it's, I can do it. I know I can do it. Writing is more of a, I'm trying to learn it. I'm really trying to, and since writing faceless, I've learned a lot. So people might think, oh, well, you wrote that. We know your ability. No, just like drawing, I'm trying to improve. I'm trying to, uh, isn't that the point? I, it, mm-hmm. that's right. another thing you kind of see you kind of see a, a lot of stagnation or you kind of see a lot of well i've gotten this people like it cool now i'm just coasting no but <laughs> yeah right so, actually well it's a it is listen it's a strange time right now in the in the industry and we've definitely reached some kind of a you know post-pandemic plateau and everybody's kind of standing on this plateau looking at each other being like huh i wonder what's next so uh there was definitely a new you know we're going to see some a lot of changes in the industry in the next couple of years um so we'll see, you know, and uh I think it'll be interesting to see what what options, you know, what what paths your career takes. We'll we'll be we'll be uh watching here at Morticom. Um oh, you know, one one last question though. So you you went to New York Comic Con and um I mean, how was that experience? I mean, now you're not alone. You know? I mean, have you gotten, you know, how does it feel like when you go to the con and, you know, now you're with the your peers. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I learned my limits, which is panels. Mm-hmm. Not for me. <laughs> I tried, I did one at San Diego and mm-hmm. it was, uh, it, it was a rocky road, but I got through it. <laughs> I did this one and I, I fell off the cliff. I oh. it, it was rough. It was real. That's like, unfortunately, that's the standout from the whole event. Oh, don't worry. Tom Hardy had a hard time too. You know. Really? So, yeah, he did. I mean, yes. Uh, just because you're a brilliant Academy Award nominated actor doesn't mean you can sit in a room full of comic book fans and be brilliant. And uh, I think he felt the, the pressure. So I hope you're not listening, Tom, because I love you and everything <laughs> you do. All right. <laughs> I can't wait for Venom 3. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. But um, yeah. So don't don't worry. It happens to the best of us. Um, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I I can get through interviews. I can do some social media. I can do you know the the panels. I I, I decided after that one. I it only hurts me. It only it's not really promoting me in any way. Kind of it's just showing who's this oddball <laughs> guy. Let's- yeah, you know, listen, you speak with your art and yeah. that's a very powerful mess. That's a very loud voice. So, uh, you got that going for you. So I hope this podcast interview wasn't too painful for you, Matt. No. It definitely was a pleasure for me. And, um, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, that's great. And as we always say, there will definitely be more to come.